ಪಾರ್ಥಯ ಪ್ರತಿಬೋಧಿ ಭಗವತ ನಾರಾಯಣ ಸ್ವಯಂ ವ್ಯಾಸೇನ ಗ್ರಥಿತುರಾಣಮುನಿ ಮಧ್ಯೆ ಮಹಾಭಾರತ ಅದ್ವೈತಮೃತವರ್ಷಿಣಿ ಭಗವತಿ ಅಷ್ಟಾಧ್ಯಾಮನುಸಂದಿ ಭಗವದ್ಗೀತೆಷಿಣಿ ಯಂ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮವರುಣೇಂದ್ರರುದ್ರಮರು ಸ್ತುನ್ವಂತಿ ದಿವ್ಯೈಸ್ತವೈ ವೇದೈಸ್ಸಾಂಗಪದಕ್ರಮೋಪನಿಷದೈ ಗಾಯಂತಿಯಂಸಾಮಗಾಹ್ಯಾನವಸ್ಥಿತೇನ ಮನಸ ಪಶ್ಯಂತಿಯೋಗಿನ ಯಾಂತನ್ನ ವಿದುಸ್ಸುರಸುರಗಣ ದೇವಾಯ ತಸ್ಮೈ ನಮಃ we saw yesterday how both the armies are arrayed in the battlefield that arjuna requested his charioteer who is lord krishna to place his chariot between the two armies and there is an interesting story as to how lord krishna came to be the charioteer of arjuna it is said that before this battle of mahabharata kurukshetra began each of the sides approached their friends in order to solicit help on this side the pandavas on the other side the kauravas both of them approached many kings since duryodhana was in power even though he was an evil per- evil minded person still since he was in power he had a lot of influence and there were many people joined him and relatively fewer people joined the pandavas even though they were virtuous people then in the as a part of this search or part of this pursuit rather of the campaign of uh, uh, of of bringing people to their side both duryodhana who is the head of the kauravas and arjuna of the pandavas they decided to approach lord krishna lord krishna was the king of a city called dwarika and that he was known to be one of the most powerful kings also a great statesman wise man and many people knew him as god also so they decided to approach him and as it happens that lord krishna was related to these people also and essentially both pandavas and kauravas were his cousins and therefore as far as the relation was concerned both were almost equal to him and so both of them independently decided to approach lord krishna and it just turned out that both of them reached there at the on the same day at the same time <clears throat> except that duryodhana he reached a little earlier than arjuna since both were very close to the family at that time lord krishna was taking rest in the afternoon it seems but since both were cousins and very close therefore they were allowed to go to where lord krishna in the room where lord krishna was sleeping now duryodhana is king he is very proud and arrogant and therefore he took place he made himself seated on a chair 
which was in the side of the head of Lord Krishna. Imagine Lord Krishna sleeping on the bed and there is a, a, a beautiful chair there, a couch and Duryodhana sat down there. Arjuna on the other hand is a great devotee. He did not sit down, he stood there at the feet, near the feet of the Lord because other person was at the head of the Lord. So thus they waited for some time and then Lord Krishna woke up. He opened his eyes and when you open the eyes, where, is, where does your sight first go? Towards your feet. And therefore, he happened to see Arjuna first and he greeted him. Hey Arjuna, you are here. Welcome, whatever it is, you know. And then he happened to notice, hey, Duryodhana also is there. He greeted him also. Then asked him, why have you, what brings you here? Why have you come here? So each one of them said, Lord, the, bat, the war is definitely going to begin. Between those two only the war is going to begin, understand. Both of them were actually cousins but still enemies. Says, war is soon going to start and we are requesting our friends to join us. And therefore each one of us has come to request you to join their side. Now Lord Krishna cannot be partial because both are cousins. Both are equal to him. At least diplomatically, definitely he has to show equality to both of them and in spirit also. And therefore he said, okay, since both of you are the same to me and since I cannot favor one, you know, I cannot be partial to one as compared to the other, therefore I will give you a deal. He says, I am going to divide myself in two. On one side will be I single-handed, on the other side will be my well-equipped army. He had a very powerful army. So on the other side is my very powerful and well-equipped army. So you have to choose between the two. So not only I will be on one side, but that I will be unarmed. I will not wield any weapons, I will not fight the battle, and therefore I will join the battle without arms. So I will be as, soon as, as good as a guest. So I am on one side without arms and vowed not to fight. On the other side is my fully equipped army. And therefore you choose. However, now Duryodhana said that Lord, I came first and therefore I should have the first choice. Who should get the first choice? That is also important. And Lord Krishna says, okay, you came first, all right. But then I first happened to see Arjuna and therefore he should get first choice. So by virtue of the fact that you came first, therefore you should get first choice. By virtue of the fact that I saw Arjuna first, therefore he should get first choice. So both of you are equal as far as choice also is concerned. However, of the two, Arjuna is younger than you. And therefore, there is always rule that the younger person should get the first opportunity of choice. And therefore, I will ask Arjuna to first make a choice. And Duryodhana was very inside, very excited and angry also. But then Arjuna to the great surprise of Duryodhana, Arjuna said, Lord, I want you on my side. Hey, Duryodhana jumped with joy. Excellent, because he wanted the army. Who wants, who wants his Lord Krishna? Who wants him who will not even wield the weapon and will not fight the battle? What are you going to do with him as far as the battlefield is concerned? He would have very much liked to have the army of the Lord and to his great pleasant surprise, Arjuna made a very stupid choice and he asked Lord Krishna to be on his side. 
Duryodhana went away very happily. And then Lord Krishna asked Arjuna, So why did you make such a choice? I gave you the first choice. Why didn't you choose my well-equipped army? He says, Lord, I know that wherever you are, there is going to be victory. And therefore, I want you. And I make a request to you. That you please be my charioteer. Because Lord Krishna also was an excellent charioteer. And the chariot is like a modern tank, you know, like uh, armored vehicle kind of a thing, you see. And so the charioteer is extremely important in the battlefield. He must maneuver the chariot in such a manner that very often by proper maneuvering of the chariot, you can save the warrior who is riding the chariot. So Lord Krishna was a very good charioteer. So Arjuna requested him, you please be my charioteer. Lord says, okay. That's an excellent rule. He will not fight the battle. He will not wield a weapon also. At the same time, he's, Arjuna put him to an excellent use also. And charioteer is right in front of you. Arjuna must have thought that, well, the Lord is right in front of me. Suppose all the weapons are fired at him. All those missiles and weapons must necessarily first pass through the charioteer and then alone they can strike the one who is standing in the chariot. And he knew that. As long as Lord is in front of me, protecting me, nothing can happen to me. And this shows his great devotion to the Lord. And the beauty here is that in fact Lord Krishna is a, is a king. He is Lord of, the, as we said, Dwarika. And Arjuna, and in fact he is the Lord of the whole universe. And he agreed to become a servant, a charioteer of such a person as Arjuna. Because Arjuna is a devotee. devotee. And therefore, the teachers of devotion, Bhakti will say, that look, what is the glory and the strength of the devotion, that even the Lord also will dance to the tune of the devotee. Devotees can make the Lord do whatever they want him to do. And this is an illustration where Arjuna could have Lord Krishna function as his charioteer. So this is how we find that in the battlefield, Lord Krishna is the charioteer of Arjuna. Arjuna requested, in fact asked him, commanded him to place the chariot between the two armies and Lord Krishna also followed the command, meaning he lived up to his role as a charioteer and brought the chariot between the two armies and placed him right where the great warriors were arrayed in the opposite army. (coughs) Eva mukto rushi keshaha guna keshena bharata sena yor bhayor madhye Sthapaitva rasottamam bhishma drona pramkataha sarvesham cha mahikshitam vacha parsapashetan samavetan kurunati. So, where bhishma, drona, and all these great warriors were there on the side of Kauravas, the chariot was placed in such a manner that Arjuna could see all them and the other warriors also. And thus, having placed the chariot in this strategic position where Arjuna could view or survey the warriors of both the sides, Vacha Parsapashetan Samavetan Kurunati, then Lord Krishna just said one sentence to Arjuna. Hey Partha, hey Arjuna, Pashetan Samavetan Kurunati. All these Kurus, Kurus means the descendants of this Kuru, means all the Kauravas. So all these Kauravas, they are all assembled here. May you properly see them. Now, then Arjuna, what did Arjuna see? Tatra Pashya Sthitan Partha Pitru Nasa Pitamahan 
आचार्यान मातुलान भ्रातृन पुत्रान पौत्रान सखीं तथा श्वसुरान सुरदश्चैव सेन अयोरोपयोरोपी दिस इज हाउ अर्जुन हाउ व्हाट इज सी ही सीज ऑल दिस फर्स्ट ऑफ ऑल ही सीज आचार्यान सीज इज ग्रेट टीचर्स मातुलान ऑल द मैटर्नल अंकल्स देन भ्रातृन ऑल हिज कजिन्स एंड फ्रेंड्स एंड रिलेटिव्स पुत्रान इवन द सन्स मीनिंग द सन्स ऑफ हिज कजिन्स Pautran grandsons on both the sides he saw his own sons his own grandsons his maternal uncles paternal uncles cousins friends in-laws all of them were arrayed in both these armies so there were so many friends swasuran surudashiva so many well-wishers these are the people he found in both the armies so arjuna surveyed the two armies and what he found is all the kith and kin this is what he finds in the two armies tan samikshas kaunteh sarvan bandhun avasthitan when arjuna saw this bandhun when he saw his relatives and friends and kith and kin all of a sudden something happened to him krupaya paryavishtah he was filled with pity when he saw these people all of a sudden he was filled with pity meaning pity filled his heart and all of a sudden started grieving vishidandina babrave all of a sudden he was struck with grief and he said this words to lord krishna so o lord finding that all this swajana meaning all the relatives and all our own people are assembled in both the armies and seeing them my i just i feel sidanti mo gatrani my limbs are just very loose mukham cha parishushyade my mouth is parching vepathascha sharire me my body is trembling rom harshascha jayate the hair is standing on the edge see ane and then what gandivam shramsate hastat i find it my great bow gandiva it is slipping from my hand त्वचैव परिदह्यते मैज माय स्किन इज बर्निंग नच शक्नोम्य अवस्थातुम आई एम नॉट इवन एबल टू स्टैंड भ्रमतीव चैमे मनः माय माइंड आल्सो इज जस्ट अनस्टडी निमित्ताने च पश्यामि आई सी बैड ओमेंस आल्सो दिस अर्जुना डिस्क्राइब्ड हिज ओन कंडीशन सो ऑल द सिम्टम्स दैट अर्जुना डिस्क्राइब्ड ऑफ हिमसेल्फ शोस दैट ही वाज ओवरटेकन बाय अ ट्रेमेंडस ग्रीफ and therefore he was feeling as feverish he was trembling he was perspiring his bow also was slipping from his hand he said i cannot even stand here i uh, you know and therefore he was almost going to collapse there in such a situation arjuna found himself this is the the great moha or delusion of arjuna the point here is that whatever arjuna saw was a fact that assembled on both the sides were definitely the relatives the dear and near ones the kith and kin but then is it also proper that arjuna saw this because he knew even before coming to the battle who he was going to fight with and what he should have seen actually on the other camp is the enemy instead of seeing them as enemies he saw them as his brothers and cousins and whatever it is and this is called the moha or the delusion 
Because in the battlefield, there are no such relationships as cousins and as brothers and as friends. Whoever is on the other side, who represents the enemy side, is just the enemy, regardless of whether he is related to you or not. This is important. So Arjuna, instead of representing his, his side or his army, he all of a sudden looked upon these people from a personal standpoint. In fact, Arjuna is not fighting a battle for his own self. Arjuna is fighting battle on behalf of the Pandavas, on behalf of what you call dharma or righteousness. And the opposite enemy definitely stands for what we call a dharma or all the evils. So Duryodhana was, was an evil-minded person, was known to compromise every value. And the whole army was assembled and in, in, in sympathy with Duryodhana, that means the whole army was only supporting a dharma or supporting the unrighteousness. And therefore it does not matter who the people are. Thus Arjuna, instead of identifying with the cause, instead of identifying with the dharma, identified with his own individual self. And therefore it is ego, the individual self that Arjuna is, is talking here. If he was talking as a representative of the Pandavas, as the one who has come here for the cause of protection of dharma or the righteousness, then definitely he would not have this kind of a, uh, this, this perception of the enemies. The perception that he has is a wrong perception. Thus he was therefore filled with pity. And what does this perception show? The perception shows aham and mama. The sense of individuality, he was looking upon himself as Arjuna. And he was looking upon all these people as his relatives. So, aham and mama. Aham esham mama ete. I am theirs and they are mine. This is how Arjuna looked. And therefore, Arjuna's standpoint here is, 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 uh, is born of what? Is born of what we call this attachment born of the sense of individuality and the attachment that arises from that. This is what made Arjuna grieving. That poor fellow was grieving, we should sympathize with him, of course. And actually what he said, that these are all my friends and cousins, that also is right. But this is not the place for that kind of a standpoint. This is a place where you are here at the point of fighting the battle, and all those who are in the enemy camp, the opposite camp, are only to be looked upon as enemies. Imagine, see in India, here also it must be happening. In India, in college, in the schools, very often they have the cricket teams. And sometimes, in the colleges they have these games or match. What they call professors 11 and the students 11. Meaning all the professors, they form one team. In the students form another team and then they they play the game now suppose one of the students is bowling and on the other side is a fellow who is batting he happens to be his mathematics professor and suppose he likes this professor very much and he's bowling now what he says, hey this is my professor who is batting no, I cannot bowl him out and therefore let me give him an easy ball so that he can, he can, uh, he can make good stroke. Would it be proper that this fellow who is representing his team and who is at the moment assigned the task of bowling, compared equal to pitching here, you know, 
and the one who is batting happens to be his professor. Just because he is professor and because he likes it and has respect for him, they should give him an easy ball so that the fellow can hit. Would it be proper? Not at all. He happens to be a bowler and the other one happens to be a batsman. His job is only to pitch a ball which will strike him out. But suppose, so the idea is that the relationship of the student and the professor, etc. Where do these relations apply? They are in the classroom. But where you are in the, in the field of, I mean, you know, playing a game, at that time there are no such relationships as professor and student. Well, the teacher-student relationship is not there. Here, the relationship is only players. The two teams are there. So, whereas from one standpoint, yes, one fellow is a teacher, one fellow is a student. Where? In a particular setup, in a classroom. But not in the cricket field. And similarly also, all these people are his relatives, all right. His elders also. But where? In the palace. Not in the battlefield. So this is superimposition. Of superimposing one thing upon the other. He is at the moment superimposing a palace situation or situation of the family upon the battlefield. And that is how he completely misjudges the whole situation or superimposes his relationship where it doesn't really belong and then his evaluation that arises from this is going to be a totally false, a wrong evaluation. Thus Arjuna completely wrongly evaluates the situation here and then his reactions are all expressed. Now he is the first, one of the first what you call conscientious objector. All of a sudden now he, he thinks that this battle is all wrong. You should not fight this battle. Nachashraya unupashyami Oh Lord, killing all these relatives here, I do not see. He knew very well that by the time this battle is over, essentially nobody is going to be saved. Because both the sides are very equally powerful. And the battle will not be won unless one side is completely wiped out. So he knew that all the people who are assembled here are essentially going to be killed before the end is decided. And he says, Nachashraya unupashyami Killing all these relatives here in this battlefield, I do not see any Shreya. I don't see any good coming out of this. Killing all the relatives, I do not see any good. So he thinks that he is going to kill relatives. In fact, here he is not to kill the relatives. Here he is to fight against the enemy. And to fight against those forces which represent the evil. But how does he look upon them? He looks upon them as, as, as friends, relatives. And he says, I do not see any good coming out of this battle wherein all these relatives will be killed. Then somebody would ask him the question, but you have come here to win this battle. So if you fight the battle, you will win. If you will win, you will get the kingdom. If you get the kingdom, you'll get all the comforts. Arjuna says, Nakangshe Vijayam Krishna, Nacharajyam Sukhanija. Oh Lord, I now he tells his chariot to Lord Krishna. Nakangshe Vijayam Krishna, I don't want victory. Nacharajyam, I don't want kingdom. Na Sukhanija, nor do I want any comforts or pleasures. Kinno Govinda, Kim Bhogehi Jeevitenava. What is there in kingdom? 
What is there in pleasures? What is there even in the life? So this is how Arjuna poses these questions before Arjuna. What is there in the kingdom? What is there in pleasures? What is there even in life? He says, what for do I want kingdom or victory? For all these people who are arrayed here already. So the people for whom, after all, a father would work for his children or a head of the family would work for his family. Similarly, Arjuna also being the head of the Kauravas as far as the battle is concerned, would wish to gain the victory alright. For what? For, the, for those who are his relatives and friends. He says, but they are already here and they are all going to be killed anyway. And therefore, this victory and kingdom, for whom do I want? I don't see, I don't, I'm not interested in it for myself, nor I see any purpose of getting it for anyone else, because although none of them is going to survive. And therefore, O Lord, I do not wish to kill these people, even if I am killed by them. Etan hantumichami ghanatopi madhusudana. He madhusudana, I don't want to kill them, even if, even if they kill me. If you give me the kingdom of all the three worlds, even for that I would not wish to kill these people, then where is the question of killing them merely for the kingdom of this earth? And therefore, I do not see any purpose in killing. I don't see any meaning at all in this battle. Nihatyadhatarastandha <coughs> Suppose we kill all the sons of Dhritarashtra, Kauravas, or the cousins, what good, you know, what good is it going to bring to us? Ka pritisya janardana, we are not going to like that. Papa meva shreyasman, hatvaitanatitainaha. Even if these people are sinners, but still if you kill them, definitely we are going to incur the sin of killing these people. So he says, all the anartha. First of all, Arjuna says, I do not see any purpose in fighting this battle because I am just not, I do not find any interest at all in the results or the outcome of this battle. Even if we win the battle, and perhaps he doesn't have much doubt about that, and even if we win and get the kingdom, but I don't have, I don't see, I have no attraction at all for that. Not only that, but fighting the battle, we will ultimately be sinners because we are killing all our relatives and friends. <coughs> and therefore, I do not see any purpose in fighting this battle. Thus, at this point in time, Arjuna fails to see the purpose of fighting the battle. Not only fails to see the purpose, but finds only all the evil results resulting from this. So, when would you perform an action? You will be motivated to perform an action when you are interested in the outcome of the action. When you are interested in the result of an action, then only person will be will be motivated to perform an action. Arjuna says, he's not interested in the result, he's not interested in the victory or kingdom or anything that this, this victory will bring. Not only is not interested in the result, but he finds that all kinds of uh, anartha or all the calamity alone will result as a result of this battle because it will result into the death and destruction of all these people who are our relatives and friends. He says, but they are ready to fight. What is, you know, don't you think you are the only smart person or what? They are also here, they are equally intelligent and still they are all standing and ready to fight with you. Then why, why do you hesitate? He says, well, those people perhaps don't understand. 
they are all motivated by greed and therefore out of greed they forget what is right and wrong or what is good and bad they don't realize that when this battle is over that the whole clan of the Kaurava all of that will be destroyed and that will be killing our friends and relatives and they do not realize the sin that is involved because they are blinded by greed Barajuna says I am not blinded by greed and therefore I can very well see what the consequences will be what will the consequences the whole clan or the family will be destroyed suppose the family is destroyed so what when all the young people and all the men are destroyed all that is left in the family is women and children nobody to protect them and when there is nobody to protect them and there is nobody to follow also protect the dharma or the righteousness or the order then definitely disorder will prevail in the society adharma will prevail in the society and the children will not get the right kind of education they will not have the training of the dharma or the rights that should be performed as a result in course of time adharma alone will prevail in the society adharma meaning the opposite of righteousness meaning all corruption and all uh, immorality that alone will prevail in the society as a result the children who will be brought up also will be children of what only immoral product all the corruption and therefore children also will not know what their duties are they will not be able to serve their parents or their ancestors who are departed and certain rites which the children must perform for the departed souls all of them no none of them will perform and so the fellows who are departed also will fall from their position and the people who are here on account of the corruption and the immorality they will also be living in as good as a hell and therefore i find all the misery alone will be the result of this battle so arjuna actually presents a very powerful case number 1 i find no good coming out of this not only that i find that only calamities miseries and suffering that alone will be the result of this battle and therefore and then he says howare ahobata mahat paapam kartum vyavasita avayam what a pity it is that i was ready to fight with these people and kill them yad rajya sukhalobhena hantum svajana mudyataha merely for the purpose of rajya meaning kingdom and the happiness and the pleasures that i came here to fight these people and to kill them what a pity that i even thought like that arjuna at the moment is grieving says how sad it is that i even thought of coming to this battlefield for the sake of kingdom and pleasure that such an idea occurred to me and that we were all ready to kill these people yadi mam pratikaram ashastram shastrapanayah dhartarashtraharane hanyuh tanme kshemataram bhayet so lord i i am not going to fight i am going to lay down my arms and i am unarmed and if they attack me when i am unarmed and kill me then also i do not see anything wrong let them kill me but i cannot i cannot fight this battle i do not see any purpose in this battle and sanjay reports at the end of the chapter eva muktva arjuna sanghe rathopastho upavishat visrudya sasharam chabam shoka samvigna manasah having said this arjuna he discarded his bow and arrow and he just sat down essentially collapsed where he was standing so far in the middle of the chariot shoka samvigna manasah with his mind completely filled with grief and pity 
Arjuna sat down or collapsed in the middle of the chariot, he discarding his bow and arrow. This is how the first chapter of Gita describes the condition of the mind of Arjuna. This is called Arjuna Vishada Yoga. The yoga, the chapter's name is Arjuna Vishada or the grief of Arjuna. So Bhagavad Gita begins with grief. And what's the cause of grief? Essentially, death is the cause of grief. So problem that is before Arjuna is one of death. Whose death? Death of himself as well as death of other people. And that is what has caused him grief. Of course, death would cause grief for anybody. But here, this is not merely a topical problem or a situational problem. But here, what this represents also is what we call a more fundamental problem. Because this is not the first time that Arjuna has come to the battlefield. This is not the first time either that he is called upon to fight the battle and kill the enemy. He has fought a number of battles. As a matter of fact, with the very same army, he had fought battle just a few months ago. This is the story of Mahabharata. When all the Pandavas were living, living in incognito, meaning without revealing their identity, at that time this Duryodhana of the Kauravas created a situation where he took the whole army in order to expose them. He took the whole army and he uh, all the cows were taken away by this Duryodhana and Arjuna single-handedly fought with this army. So right now, army of Duryodhana who is arrayed before him, Arjuna fought with the whole army single-handed just three months ago and sent the whole army back. At that time, none of these thoughts occurred to him. The idea is that Arjuna is not fighting a battle for the first time in his life. He has fought a number of battles and won them. And he must have been instrumental in killing many enemies also. But so far, he was never bothered about it. His heart was never filled with pity or anything. And therefore, death is not something new to him. And his own death also does not matter because he belongs to the warrior class called Kshatriyas and who are always ready to die in the battlefield. It is said that if a warrior, Kshatriya, dies in the battlefield, he straight goes to heaven. Whereas a Brahmin, who has to keep, keep on doing his Yajna Yagadi for the whole of his life, may perhaps go to heaven, so may not go. But a Kshatriya, merely by fighting the battle, and if he dies in the battlefield, then straight he goes to heaven. And therefore, the warriors of the Kshatriyas, they were never afraid of the death in the battlefield. So, so far, this question never arose in the mind of Arjuna. And how come it arose at this time? So, for whatever reason, when Arjuna's mind was filled with pity and filled with grief, at that time, he could see certain things about the life. In this grieving situation, he had a certain understanding about the various gains in the life, like victory, like kingdom, like the pleasures and things like that, which normally people covet, artha and kama. Artha meaning the wealth and the comfort and the, and the, the, the power. And kama means all the pleasure, which normally enchant people and which so far enchanted Arjuna also. But in, when his heart was filled with pity or grief, at that time he could see in his mind the limitations of all these achievements. He could see, Kinno Rajena Govinda, Kim Bhogehi Jeevitenava. What is there in the kingdom? What is there in pleasure? What is there even in long life? 
He could see all of that, all of this is limited. That even if he could get all these things, then also his grief or pity was not going to end. Meaning the suffering, the deep suffering that he was feeling at this time, whatever be the cause of suffering, but that suffering made him understand that all these achievements in life were going to be inadequate to eliminate that sense of suffering or the sense of lack or inadequacy that he was feeling. This, the first chapter, when it also shows the grief of Arjuna, it also shows what we call vairagya or dispassion. So these days we are studying in the morning. What are the basic qualifications of a seeker? Viveka, vairagya. Shamadi shatka sampatti and mumukshutvam. Viveka meaning discrimination between the permanent and the impermanent. And Arjuna could see that all these gains are impermanent. Whether it is victory or kingdom or the, all the pleasures or the life, all of these is impermanent. And therefore he said, I am not interested in them because I know that they cannot fulfill this craving or this inadequacy that I am feeling. And therefore vairagya, dispassion, that I do not want them. So first chapter also shows this viveka and vairagya, the discrimination and the dispassion on the part of Arjuna. Plus also shows how his heart is filled tremendously with grief and pity. And this is how the first chapter is concluded. And start the second chapter, where the very same story continues. Where in the first verse, Sanjaya the reporter describes, Tam tatha kripaya vishtam ashrupurna kulekshanam vishidantamidam vakyam so when Lord Krishna saw that Arjuna's heart was just filled with pity, there were almost tears in his eyes, his voice was choked, he was trembling and completely filled with pity and feeling totally helpless and grieving. This is how the situation of Arjuna was and that is what Lord Krishna found. At that time, Lord Krishna wanted to see what is the degree of sincerity or what is the depth of the emotion that Arjuna has? Whether it is only a momentary emotion which has come to his heart or what he is feeling is something very deep. And therefore, Lord Krishna tells him in two words. Kutastva kashmalamidam vishame samupasthitam anarejushtamasvargyam akirdikaram Arjuna. Hey Arjuna, why is such a, why is such a kashmalam? Why is such, this kind of a thinking has all of a sudden taken over you? So why this kind of a negative thinking? It does not behoove of you, you are a Kshatriya. And therefore, it is not proper for a Kshatriya or a warrior to think like this. And when people know, if, if people come to know that this is how you behave in the battlefield, definitely you will be defamed, all your fame and whatever you earn will definitely be lost. And not only that, but when a Kshatriya goes and runs away from the battlefield, definitely he will go to hell. Now these are the beliefs. Anari Jushtam Aswargyam Akirdekaram Arjuna. Hey Arjuna, first of all, it does not behoove of you, meaning it is not proper or it is not becoming of you, number one, to behave like this or think like this. Number two, Aswargyam, it will deprive you of the Swarga of the heavens. And thirdly, Akirdikaram, even while you are alive, it will only bring you all the ill fame. Because people will only criticize you and condemn you. 
क्लैब्यम मास्मगम पास नहीं तत्व पद्यते हे पास हे अर्जुन दिस अनमैनली बिहेवियर दिस नॉट डिफिट यू एंड देफर क्षुद्रम हृदय दौर्बल्यम त्यक्वा उत्तिष्ठ परंतप गिव दिस हृदय दौर्बल्यम गिव दिस वीकनेस इन दर हार्ट एंड उत्तिष्ठ मे यू अराइज एंड फाइट दिस बैटल सो लॉर्ड कृष्ण ट्राई टू रिवाइव हिम रिवाइव हिज स्पिरिट्स बाय रिमाइंडिंग हु ही वॉज हिज नेम वॉज परंतप सो अर्जुन एड मेनी टाइटल्स और मेनी नेम्स एंड वन ऑफ द नेम्स वॉज परंतप परांतापी हु स्कॉर्च इज द एनिमी सो एनिमी इज एक्चुअली आर स्कॉर्ड बाय हुज प्रेजेंस दैट इज हाउ सो पावरफुल अर्जुन वॉज He says, "You are well known as Parantapa, the one, the scorcher of the enemies, and it just does not become. It is not becoming of you to behave in this manner, to say that you want to leave this battlefield, that you don't want to fight this, and it is just improper. And therefore, you stand up, arise, and fight this battle. This is how Lord Krishna tried to invoke him by reminding him of what he was. But even then, Arjuna could not be invoked." he could not be enthused he could not be motivated because his grief was so deep that all these words also could not remove that or could not enthuse him and then arjuna continues to say so lord how can i fight against bhishma he names he names two particular persons bhishma and drona bhishma is a grandfather and he was the leader of the the household leader of that whole clan and all these children were brought up on his lap and he was a, he was a grand sire and very kind very capable person and these children all of them had great respect for him because they were brought up in his lap says how can i how can i shoot my arrows at bhishma and other person he mentioned is drona drona was a teacher from him this all these children had learned their archery and therefore here is standing my teacher from whom i have gained all this knowledge and is here is sending my grandfather grandfather for under in whose lap i am brought up how do you expect me to kill them how do you expect me to shower them with arrows it is only proper for me that i should worship them or i should actually i should worship them with flowers instead of that at this time you are asking me to shoot arrows at them how can i possibly do that he continues to say that instead of killing this great people most respected and reverential people so there is great reverence in his heart and which is the cultural thing instead of killing these people who are so great so precious and for whom i have such great reverence i would prefer that uh, i become i don't want this kingdom will go back to the forest and i am quite willing to even hello okay here arjuna mentions the word bhikshyam this morning we were talking about bhiksha yesterday how in india when a person becomes a sanyasi then he said he has a right to go to the society and beg the uh, beg the food which is called bhiksha but only the sadhus or the mendicants are allowed to do that householders or the people are not allowed to go and beg for bhiksha only renunciates are allowed to go for bhiksha arjuna here says 
instead of killing these people and instead of enjoying all those blood-stained pleasures, I would rather prefer to leave the battlefield, renounce all this kingdom, become a renunciate and live on the arms. I'll be much happier that way rather than living in the, in the palace and, uh, and enjoying, supposedly experiencing all these pleasures which only are stained by the blood of these people because that will only remind me of this. And therefore, I think that it's better for me to become a renunciate and live on the bhiksha. <clears throat> this is how Arjuna has presented his case as to how he does not see any purpose in fighting this battle, how he sees all the suffering and the calamities alone will result from this battle and how therefore he will not fight this battle. He cannot fight this battle. At one point he also says, I do not even know whether we will win or they will win. Whether it is better that we win this battle or it's better that they win the battle. Even they also I do not know. And he says, killing all these people, I do not want to continue to live. I am living for these people. You are asking me to kill the very people for whom I am living. And therefore, I don't want to continue life after killing these people. And therefore, I do not think that I should fight this battle. This is how Arjuna said all right. But in spite of saying it, he was not quite convinced about it in his own mind. There was a tremendous conflict in the mind of Arjuna. On one side, he was very keenly aware of what his duty was. He knew that he was a warrior, he was a Kshatriya, and his duty was to fight the battle that Kshatriya should never turn away from the battlefield and that he was protect, he was on the side of Dharma or the virtue and therefore to protect the Dharma or the virtue is the duty of the Kshatriya and so he knew that he should fight the battle. So from the point of the duty, he knew that it was proper that he should fight the battle. However, from the standpoint of what we call the consequences or from the standpoint of the actual reality of what the battle meant, it meant the destruction and the death and the suffering of so many people and therefore he thought that that would be himsa or destruction, violence. And therefore, from the standpoint of the non-violence, he thought that he should not fight the battle, whereas from the standpoint of the duty, he knew that he should fight the battle. That's the conflict. Should war be called himsa or not? The question here is, the task that Arjuna was going to perform, namely fighting this battle, what should it be classified? Should it be classified as violence or himsa or should it be classified as a duty? So this was the conflict that Arjuna had, whether I should do it or not do it. And this idea of the death that overpowered him and therefore he only, present, he only said to Lord Krishna that I cannot fight this battle. But while saying it also, then at the end, he in fact makes this presentation to Lord. When this conflict grew too strong in his mind, he said, Karpanya prapannam. I find at this time, Dharma Chetaha, that my mind is completely confused or completely deluded 
as far as dharma or what is proper is concerned. I am not able to decide at this time whether it is proper for me to fight this battle or proper for me not to fight. I am totally deluded and confused as far as dharma or the duty is concerned. And more than that, karpanya dosho pahatasvabhavaha. I find that my svabhava or the my mind is completely uh, apahata. My mind is only uh, polluted by this dosha or by this blemish or this defect of karpanya. So Arjuna declares that he is at the moment overcome by this dosha of karpanya. So this Sanskrit word. What it means is karpanya means krupanasya bhavaha karpanyam. Krupana means a miser. And this miserliness is called karpanyam. So Lord, I find that I am suffering from or my mind all the time has been what? Only miserly. So what he is saying is that I find at this time that I have not used my mind or my intellect for the purpose for which it should have been used. He realized at this time whatever he must have heard in the past from the scriptures and looking at his life and realizing what all has been doing so far in the life. What has he achieved in his life? And when he evaluates his achievement in life and he finds that he is nowhere. In fact, he is as inadequate, as wanting, as unhappy today after all the achievements in life as he was earlier. And thus, even though the fact that he was one of the greatest archers, he was one of the most well-recognized warriors, and therefore he was the one who was a great leader, in spite of all these material achievements in his life, he finds that he has not really achieved what he should have achieved in life. That all his efforts have been sort of misdirected. He realizes that the purpose for which the human life is achieved, that purpose has not been served at all. Purpose of human life is to gain that ultimate fulfillment. And he finds that he is as unfulfilled as he was ever. Thus, in spite of all the worldly achievements of dharma, artha and kama, his, his sense of that intense lack or that intense sense of uh, inadequacy that has not gone at all. Meaning that I have not used the opportunity in my life properly. All my capabilities and all my intellect and all my intelligence has been used in planning and achieving all the material ends. But I have not done what I should have been doing in my life. He realizes that he is called Krupana or he is called a miser or he is called a Daridra or a poor or a pitiable person who departs from this world without gaining the knowledge of the self. Because this word comes from Bruhadaranyaka Upanishad. Wherein Sage Agnyavalka says, Hey Gargi, those people who depart from this world without gaining the knowledge of self are Krupanaha. They are really poor or they are miser people. Because what for is the human birth? Why has the Lord given this discriminative intellect to human being? In order that he can discriminate between the self and the non-self, between permanent and the impermanent. And this intellect, human intellect, which has the ability to gain this knowledge, whether intellect is misused or abused, then is, the person has really not utilized the wealth that he has been given or is abused the wealth that he has been given. Thus Arjuna finds at this moment 
that he has not utilized that wealth that has been given to him, the great gift of this human intellect or the discriminative intellect with which he could have in which he could have directed towards the search for the knowledge of truth. He has not done that all these years and he has used his intellect merely in attaining variety of material ends only. So Arjuna says, sorry, Lord, I am the one who has this blemish that I have just wasted away or, or misused my intellect. At the same time, I am totally confused, as far as the spiritual aspect is concerned, at the same time, I am totally confused or deluded as far as even this present situation is concerned as to what is right for me to do and what is not. And therefore, Yashreyasyat Nishchitam Bruhitanme O Lord, I now surrender myself to you. Tvam Prapannam I now presently surrender myself to you. Shishyasteham I am your disciple. Yashreyasyat Nishchitam Bruhitanme You please tell me that or oh, you please teach me that, which will bring me nishchitam shreyaha, which will bring me what we call nishreyasa or the ultimate good. <coughs> so we saw this word nishreyasa. Nishreyasa is the ultimate good, gaining which nothing remains to be gained in the life. Because we, we have gained so much in our life, but every gain is invariably accompanied by some loss. Whenever you get anything, you always have to pay a price for it. And therefore, no gain in life is ever going to be an absolute gain, is always going to be a relative gain. And usually, every gain is accompanied by a, a loss or a price to be paid. And therefore, there is no net gain at all. Even though outwardly we may gain something, we lose something by way of time, by way of energy, and by way of many other things. Nishreyasa is that gain which involves no loss at all. Or that gain which is the final and the ultimate gain, gaining which nothing remains to be gained. So Arjuna says, I am tired of all these achievements I have and still I find that I have not achieved what I had to be achieved, I had to achieve in life. So Nishreyasam, what I am seeking Lord is now final good, which is once and for all or the ultimate good, gaining which nothing remains to be gained and gaining which which does not desert me again, which is always faithful, which always remains with me. I find that things are not faithful. They come to me now and then they desert me later. And I find myself demanding and again wanting as before. So I want this want or this desire, meaning this sense of lack to go away once and for all. This is called Nishreyasa. The ultimate good. Ultimate meaning certain. I don't want any uncertainties also. And I want this ultimate good certain and once and for all. So he wants an absolute good. Which is certain and once and for all. So this Nishreyasa is what I want. So we have to see very impo the important point here is the question that Arjuna asks. And what he requests from Lord. Arjuna is not asking, please tell me how to fight this battle. He does not ask me, please give me the secret of winning this battle. He is not asking any material problem. He is not asking any mundane problem either. He is not asking solution of any mundane problem. He is asking the solution for the problem of life. He realizes 
that gaining this victory or the kingdom and all the name and fame and power also are going to leave him as inadequate as before, that they do not have the ability to make him fulfilled. And at the same time, he doesn't know what will fulfill him. That's why he's completely frustrated also. Because when he looks back at his life and realizes that what all has he achieved and what all effort he has made have not really paid the dividend. They have not given him the fulfillment that he was seeking. And that is a very frustrating feeling also. That's why also he is grieving. And therefore, he is asking a question of that which will bring him the ultimate good in life. Not a relative good or not a temporary good, but the ultimate and permanent good. And that is the reason why Lord Krishna is going to teach him that which can give him, which can give him nishreyasa, which is the same as moksha or which is the same as the limitless. That nothing limited can satisfy me. This Arjuna could see. So Arjuna at this time is not just an ordinary person who is asking for the solution of ordinary or mundane problem of life. That's the reason why Bhagavad Gita is not directed towards solving just any mundane problem. Although it is true that when the fundamental problem is solved, that the mundane situation will not remain problems also. The problem ultimately is, if you want to divide problems in two, you can call one a fundamental problem, other is what we call a topical or a situational problem. And what's the fundamental problem? That sense of lack or inadequacy. And what are the topical problems? All the day-to-day problems that we have. But the day-to-day situations become problems to us because there is a fundamental problem of inadequacy or a lack or a want. If that is not there, then a person will find that situations are, day-to-day situations are there, but there is no problem in the sense that even what we call the topical or situational problem also will be solved when the fundamental problem is solved. But by solving the topical problem, the fundamental problem cannot be solved. And therefore, Arjuna is seeking here the solution of his fundamental problem. That's why he says, Yashreyasyat nishchitam bruhitan me shishyasteham shadhimam tvam prapannam Please tell me that will bring me, which will bring me the definite an ultimate good. I am your disciple. I am surrendered to you. Shadimam, please instruct me. Please teach me. And this is how Arjuna the warrior at this time becomes Arjuna the disciple. And Lord Krishna the charioteer becomes Lord Krishna the teacher. So role is completely changed. Now he is no more talking as a charioteer. Arjuna is no more asking as a warrior or a master. Now the relationship is one of the student, disciple and the teacher. And that is how Lord Krishna as a teacher now will start giving instruction to Arjuna. <coughs> Even after making this request, Arjuna makes one statement also. Nahi prapasyami mamapanudyat yachokamuchoshanam indriyanam avapya bhuma vasapatnamruddham rajyam suranam apichadhipatyam He says that pain that I am suffering that grief that I am suffering right now in my mind and my sense organs, that burning sensation that I have in my sense organs, that grief that I have in my mind, I don't think that that suffering and the grief can go even if I am given the kingdom of all the three worlds. Avapya bhumau asapatnam rudham rajyam 
if the whole, the kingdom of the whole earth is given to me, without any competitor and enemy, or if you give me, Lord, even the kingdom of the heavens, I do not think that all that achievement also will be, is capable of removing that grief and the intense suffering that I am feeling. So Arjuna shows his total vairagya or dispassion. So it is not that he is asking for this knowledge because he has no other choice. He very much has the choice of fighting the battle. And he is quite confident, he declared earlier also, that he can win this battle single-handed. So he is quite confident also that he can win the battle. He is confident also that he can get the kingdom of the whole earth. But he sees very clearly that all those achievements also will not be able to remove that grief which he is feeling right now. And so that grief can go by something else. What it is he does not know. But he knows that none of these achievements is capable of removing that intense grief and suffering which he has in his heart. And therefore he only requests Lord Krishna to teach him something by which he can overcome that grief. So this is how it is shoka or the grief which is the problem of Bhagavad Gita. And it's a symptom of what? Moha or delusion which arises from ignorance. As Lord Krishna will uh, diagnose the problem. The symptoms are presented here. Symptoms are, as Shankaracharya will say, grief and delusion, shoka and moha. And what's the fundamental cause? Agnanam or ignorance. And that's the reason why Lord Krishna will address that fundamental problem called the ignorance, which, uh, which alone can provide the ultimate solution to the grief of Arjuna. Temporarily, if you solve the problem of fighting the battle and somehow you can psych him up and don't worry about it, etc., you know. But that will not eliminate his, his grief. And therefore, Lord Krishna addresses that fundamental problem of Arjuna, which is the fundamental problem of all the human beings. Because if this teaching was directed only to Arjuna and to solve Arjuna's particular problem, then we would not be interested in Bhagavad Gita. Then it would not be scripture. Scripture is that which is addressed to every human being and which must have a universal content. And it, therefore it addresses the universal problem. And thus Lord Krishna addresses the fundamental and universal problem of Arjuna. Therefore the teaching of interest was. Yes, it is a particular situation. Therefore you will find a few verses in Bhagavad Gita which are directed to a particular situation of Arjuna, which we should know. But then rest of the teaching is meant for Arjuna as a human being. So Arjuna is a warrior. There are a few verses addressing that. And Arjuna as a human being is the rest of the Gita. As we'll see. <clears throat> Om Puranamadaf Puranamidam Puranat Puranamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badrayanam Sutra Bhashya Grutau Vande Bhagavantau Punapunaha Ishvaro Gururatmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om
ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ಹರಿ ಓಂ ಶ್ರೀ ಗುರುಭ್ಯೋ ನಮಃ ಹರಿ ಓಂ